0: Hello, everybody. Andy Jacob here with the .com Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. I have a great show today. You know, we always talk about cybersecurity on the show, and it's so important. We've been able to bring some real experts on the show to talk about different types of cybersecurity protocols and penetration testing. And we've been able to bring a real worldwide leading expert on the show today. I'm so excited to bring Mr. Simant Segal on the show, and he is the CEO and founder of BreachLock, and they have a very unique program, a very unique full-stack penetration testing protocol, and they do it as a full-service solution. I mean, it's real interesting what Samant and his team has put together. They use AI to help scale human pen testers, and When it comes to cybersecurity, Samant's a worldwide leading expert. I'm so happy to have him on the show. Samant, welcome to the Com Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today.
1: Thank you, Andy. Happy to be here.
0: Samant, it's absolutely great and an honor to have you on the show today. Let's do what we always do. Let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet. Tell us about what you're doing at BreachLock, and then we're going to get into it.
1: Absolutely. So BreachLock is basically focusing on the pen testing space, like you said, right? So let's break down that word a little bit. What does it really mean to a common man? Um, um, so you hear in the news, uh, you read it all the time, companies get hacked. And, you know, the other side of the coin is there are a ton of investments that all the big banks, you know, all the big corporations are putting in cybersecurity. So, you know, as a common person, you might be thinking, hey, if they're spending all that money... You know, why is that such a big problem after that, right? Well, the reason for that is that it's one thing to invest in your defenses, and it's another thing to find out if they're working or not, right? Now, if you take that example in a real-world war scenario, you've got these armies doing, you know, drills, right, to practice how their defenses would work or not if a real situation, you know, hits them. Now, that's exactly what pen testing is in the cybersecurity world, right? So if you put your defenses in place, if you develop a product, you know, you can't just have, uh, you just can't have hope as a good strategy, you know, that it'll work when when the time comes. So you have to test it. And that process in itself is what is called pen testing. And uh, what BreachLock really does is that uh, we are disrupting the space because traditionally this has been a human centric process only and when i was spending you know a lot of time in this problem i've spent a lot of dollars uh, buying from the other side of the table when I was working with some of the largest banks in the world and you know I said wait a minute you know this is a technology problem and we're still doing it the 1980s way as if this was an accountant or a lawyer that I'm, uh, that I'm hiring right uh, So that's where the story of breach law came in we took the technology first approach we put some artificial intelligence elements into it and really what we did is that we took out the repetitive tasks, that a pen tester would do normally in a boutique pen testing or even a big four for that matter, right? So put it very literally, what we do is that we've we've created here an Iron Man suit, right, for our pen testers. And once they put it on, in terms of the Breach lock platform, you know, they're scaling new heights and they're able to do a lot more. And in return, our clients are getting the value that they deserve. So which means they can get their products out there faster. And hopefully at some point in time, we'll be able to achieve our mission, which is, you know, making cyberspace a safer place.
0: That's great, Saman. Of course, everybody's starting to reach out to, you know, you started with the smaller businesses. Now you're working with enterprise companies. What types of companies right now are reaching out to you at BreachLock? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about who you're helping and why BreachLock is resonating so much for so many companies.
1: Right, and I know your, you know, a lot of your audience is basically CEOs and founders, or you know, budding CEOs and founders. So I want to be careful on in terms of how I answer that question because the reality today. Is not what the reality was. Let's say three and a half years back when we started, right? So I'll take it uh, also from a journey perspective. So when we started in 2019, the only people that were, uh, you know, interested in talking to us were really the startups in California and New York region, right? So whenever you start, you have to um, you have to start there, you know, with the SMB segment. But as we grew along and our thought leadership really came out up in the front of, uh, you know, as, as they say on the number one page of cybersecurity, uh, it became more and more evident that enterprise clients were also interested now to talk to us, right? So if you look at where we are today in 2022, it's mainly large enterprises that are dealing with volumes of uh, pen testing requests that are coming from different product owners. That's the main use case that we solve now. But this wasn't the case when we started.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, Simon. Of course, you started with the small, the mid-sized companies. Now you're working with the enterprise companies. When we think about it, you, know, you put out sort of this, this first generation, this minimal viable product. It sort of caught fire. And now you're working with the big companies. For the entrepreneurs watching the show, smile. let's talk about it, because there has to be a difference between working with the small companies early on with them, with the enterprise companies right now. So what's the difference between working with those two types of companies uh, from Breach Lock's perspective?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's quite a different ballgame, right? And mainly so uh, in terms of the differences, when the SMBs or let's say the startups or the scale-ups come to you, they come to you with a very specific uh, use case, right? Which is, uh, which is very uh, fine-tuned to what they need in terms of the problem that they have in their head, right? And with the enterprises, it's the other side of the coin. Sometimes you get into a discussion to even define what the real problem is because there are so many dimensions to it. The other big difference, Andy, I would say is in the way you uh, manage the stakeholders for an enterprise, right? So, you know, in year one, I remember I did close to 300 deals myself, you know, being the founder salesman. Uh, And mostly that was very easy and it went so quick is because you know, I've been uh, close to the C-suite in, 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 in a very large bank, so mostly I would speak to these CIOs, CISOs, and CTOs of, um, of, of startups and scale-ups, and it would be an easy decision to make right? Uh, because we were talking the same language and the decisions could be made much faster. However in the enterprise play it's quite different right because you've got multiple sta- stakeholders so if you look at the sales funnel there you start with the gatekeeper you get to the influencer and then somewhere down the line you could be sure that you know when it's time to hit the signature you will meet uh, the budget holder right uh, but it's a longer process so obviously it takes a different approach um, uh, to, to address the enterprise market. And it also takes a different skill set. So uh, the people that we put into the process with the enterprise, whether it's from um, you know, the actual product execution standpoint or the sales cycle standpoint, it's it's completely a different ballgame. It's never the same. And, and I would say that's also not the right idea to have the same people do both sides of the coin.
0: That's awesome, Saman. I mean, for the people watching the show, I mean, Saman just gave you what I would call a mini Harvard MBA. I mean, it's so interesting with regard to the journey. And of course, one thing that really is impressive, one thing that, Saman, you've been able to do at Breach Lock is you have put together what I call a world-class team. I mean, you've got the who's who on the roster of people that understand scaling. They understand Full stack penetration, and they understand cybersecurity. Let's talk about the team. How important is the team to the growth of BreachLock?
1: I think it's a great question, right? And it's a very straight answer. That's the only thing that's important, right? Uh, and in fact, if you ask me, a lot of people ask me, you know, where's most of my time going, uh, apart from the first year, which was really an exception, where you know I was doing right from you know mails to phone calls to. Uh, you know, picking up uh, uh, parcels. Uh, so as a founder in the first year, of course, you have to wear many hats. Uh, you've, I'm sure you've heard that before. But um, after a point where it really gets to is that it's all about the team that you pick in, uh, you know, pick to do the job, right? So that's also where a lot of my time uh, goes right now. And it's it's a really important piece in our strategy, Andy. And we talk about it all the time here at the leadership team, because, you know, uh, we, we define... The values uh, that we look for um, in the individuals that that, uh, we interview. And it's very hard to get through the roof uh, at Breachlock. And it doesn't mean that the people that we interview, uh, they're not great people. They obviously are, but they're probably great elsewhere. So we put them through the lens of our values uh, really in the beginning. Um, and we also have a saying in breach log that hope is not a good strategy when it comes to HR, uh, which means that during the interaction, if you already have a sense that it's not a good fit, uh, you know we drop the ball on it. On the other hand, like you said, we've got the who's, who's who of cybersecurity on our side. You know some of these executive hires that we have. Uh, We've been working on this relationship for years. People think that you know it's it's easy to build a team. You just put out a JD, you know, it goes on to uh, uh, Indeed.com or Monster Board, and you know there you are. You get the people. No, that it doesn't work that way with an executive team, because you know there's a lot of time and effort that goes into it, and especially in terms of building the relationship. And some of the hires that I've had, uh, I've been. Speaking to them for like one and a half, sometimes even two years before they stepped into Breach Lock. and the 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 question pops in much later in the conversation. You know, somewhere between six months and and twelve months is where you drop the ball. And say, hey, you know, how about uh, pursuing a, a startup life at Breach lock? Are you bored at the corporate that you're working at? Right. So that's yeah. how.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense, Saman. Of course. You mentioned the values, and you mentioned, of course, that's so important when you hire on your team. And for the younger entrepreneurs watching the show, they may be saying to themselves, well, what is the single most important value when you hire? What is the, sort of the single most important overriding thing that you want for someone to have in terms of their value when they join Breach Lock?
1: absolutely so I think what there are two things uh, Andy that we look for and uh, one of them is definitely hunger right so at breech lock we've got a bunch of hungry people that this doesn't mean to say that they have not accomplished uh, you know everything that a lot of people might aspire uh, to accomplish at, at the at the stage of the life that they are they're already very accomplished people but they're still very hungry for more right for doing better for doing good to the society even in some cases, right? And uh, so that's one thing that we look for. If, if you're really uh, missing something and that's if the answer to that is excitement, then we always say that, you know, Breach Locks is the place uh, for you to be. The second thing that we look at candidates and that's across the board, right from executives to let's say even an intern that would step in is that once we have established that you are hungry, then we also want to see that, you know, your, your mouth is where your money is which means if you're telling me you're very passionate about cybersecurity, even though you're a student and you know, you've know you been wanting to get into this and you aren't able to explain it to me in terms of what you've studied or what you've uh, captured in terms of the knowledge, because knowledge today is really free, right? And, and, and I always ask the candidates, hey, what is it that you're passionate about? What is it that you know? And that is the bit uh, that we then delve down deeper into. And if you cannot uh, demonstrate uh, that your passion is uh, for real, then that's a no-go uh, for lock.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. And, of course, you mentioned you want to do good and the people at your team, you want them to want to do good as well. And, of course, you know, if we look at your career, you've always believed in giving back. You've always believed in doing good. You've always believed in making society better. Let's talk about that. Where did that passion that you have about giving back and doing good and giving back to society come from?
1: Right. Oh, that goes really deep. And, you know, it's basically the value system that I grew up with. And uh, in fact, that was the only thing that made sense to me. You know, what you have more, you need to share right and you have more for a reason right because the other side of the spectrum is that not everybody is born with the same level of opportunity like mo- most of us do right uh, so it, 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 at my heart i'm a capitalist but somewhere down below i also know and realize that not everybody has the same shot at the opportunities in terms of you know where we are born and where we get to and what circumstances And what mentors, for example, we we get exposed to, right? So there's a lot that needs to be determined elsewhere and not just based on the hustle that you're able to put in, right? So those values were basically inculcated into me when I was growing up, uh, all thanks to uh, the surroundings and my parents, and I think over, over time, I realized the more you pay it forward, the more it comes back to you, right? Because uh, in the end, it's all about feeling good. And to be honest, it's a very you know people think and, and, and project it in a way as this is a great way of living. But if you really ask me deep down below, I think it's a very selfish way of living because in the end, we're all living to be happy. and if paying it forward makes me happy, then that's you know that's the way I want to live, right? And that's the philosophy I, I just uh, get on with in life so far yeah, as well. love, Simant, that's
0: great. I love it so much. And of course, I can't wait to bring you back on the show because we want to unpack all of that sort of doing good for the community in, in a much more deep way. But for now, I want to get a little geeky. I'm going to talk about entrepreneurship with you in just a little bit to give back to the entrepreneurial community. But you have this full stack penetration testing as a service solution. It's such a great idea. I love it so much. I know it came from when you were at the bank, but let's talk about that. Let's unpack that. How did you come with that? Come up with that full idea because it's just fantastic.
1: So for me, that was uh, almost a no brainer when I was working at this big bank. You know, I was spending a lot of uh, budget on buying this from big fours and the likes. You name it, I had it in terms of a vendor. And and then what struck me was that once somebody wanted to get a security test done, essentially there was so much of overhead involved uh, in just getting the stuff to even to get it started. Right, there was so much that was going into it, and on both sides, meaning the consumer as well as the provider. And it didn't make any sense to me. Right. Uh, to give you an example, you know, speaking to one of the CISOs, uh, they asked me that, um, and this was back in. 2019, so COVID did not hit by then, right? So this was still a real question. You'll know it when I say it. Um, so they said to me, "Okay, fine. Is that remote?" We said, "Yes, it's remote. It's all SaaS." He uh, said, "Yeah, but that's not what I'm used to because I had this other big four send their consultants to me uh, in house, and you know that's how we did the hack and that's how we knew how how secure we are. Uh, we we were so." You know it really doesn't sound like a good plan to me that you're going to do it all remote. And then I, I just stopped for a minute, looked them in the eye, and I said, hey, what was the last time you invited a real hacker onto your office premises And from a different con- continent, again, I don't want to name uh, you know any countries here, but you know if you look at the cyber data, it will be pretty clear where most of the threats are especially with the war situation now where they're coming from. Um, so and that struck onto that CISO and said, Wait a minute, you're right. I I, you know, and I then I showed him these 10 lost uh, cyber incidents, where in all of those 10 the hacks were done even from another continent, not just from another country, from another continent, right? And that got us that deal, of course, right? So, so that is where the concept of pen testing as a service comes from, which is more like SaaS software as a service. And the idea behind this was that, why is it so difficult to order a pen test? Why is there so much of an overhead? Why can't we just get onto a website? If I'm a SaaS player, why can't I just choose a package and hit the word, you know, go? And then I should be getting on with the process. Now there are complexity to this, right? There, there is a complexity because by the end of the day, it's a complex job, and you wanted to give it to a trusted party, right? So you can't just click, click, click and go next. That would become an automated play, and that's why we've continued to be a hybrid player in the market. Which means yes, we do use uh, AI, like you know the Iron Man suit, but inside is a real human being. With the human creative creativity of being a top-class hacker, right? So that's really the pen testing as a service uh, piece because it's continuous in nature, and and you can just have it by making a simple request. Uh, you know, a three-stage process that you go through, and by the end of the, that that process, you know exactly where you stand from a security posture perspective, and that too from a hacker's uh, viewpoint.
0: Yes, Samant, that makes so much sense. Of course, the hybrid model is just perfect. People love it. They're talking about it. The word's getting out in a big way, especially in the enterprise companies. Of course, you've got the Iron Man suit. I love that analogy so much. One thing that you are known for is mentorship as well. I mean, you're a great mentor. You've had some great mentors. And that's one of the reasons why we we're so excited to have you on the show. I wanted to get back to the entrepreneurial community right now. So, you know, we have some younger entrepreneurs watching the show. Maybe they're hitting a roadblock. Maybe they're hitting a pothole in the road. Maybe they hit a wall they can't get through. So, Samant, let's talk about it. What advice can you give to the younger entrepreneurs watching the show about how to get through a tough time and how to get through a roadblock in their entrepreneurial journey?
1: Right. So I think everything that that you want to do in terms of uh, something that's spectacular, it requires preparation, right? And a lot of the preparation is is in in your head, because you know if if you want to be an entrepreneur, one thing, one skill that you need to have is to be able to think clearly, right? Because obviously you're getting into a leadership role. When you have a leadership role, you've got a responsibility of more people than yourself, and one thing that you want to get right is give clear directions, right? Otherwise you're not really a leader, right? So um, I think thinking with clarity is where it all begins. And that really starts not just with the problem. And, you know, I also do a lot of investing as an angel investor now, uh, myself, my private holding. And one thing I, I tell all the entrepreneurs, and this is where I see things going wrong, is that, you know, the founders fall in love with the problem. And, and they just they just focus on the problem and they talk about the problem and which is good, I mean because that's where it all starts. But what you should also then think of is the other side of the coin, which is your customer. you know who's going to buy it at the end? How big is the market? Why are they going to pay uh, me a single dollar for, for what value I'm able to transfer to them right? And who else in this market is offering that? And the last but not the least, if there are other players in the market, that's always a good sign. So that's also a myth. Uh, a lot of people will tell you that you need to be simply unique and come up with an idea that nobody else has ever thought of. To my mind, in, you know, in my old school of uh, entrepreneurship, because I'm a self-taught entrepreneur, what I've seen is you know, if the idea is too unique, that's in fact a problem because then you have to start uh, creating clients. And not creating a solution right and probably if it's your first stint that's not really the best idea to to pursue but in the end it's really important to think about your client and not just focus on your uh, problem because when you think about the client you kind of do the course correction as you go and if you keep following the client and the value that your client is looking for you automatically know what the target market is, you know where your clients are, you know wh- what their personas are, you know the language that they speak and what they want to hear. And that, by the end of the day, is going to get you to that holy grail stage, uh, which a lot of startups uh, you know, uh, die before they reach there. And it's called the product market fit, right? So focus on the problem, but also look at the client, And somewhere in that journey of course correction, you'll find your product market. Simon, that
0: makes all the sense in the world. What a great analysis. I mean, I love it. Thinking with clarity. I mean, I can see that being a TED Talk that you're going to give, or maybe uh, when you write your next book, it's going to be called Thinking with Clarity. It makes all the sense in the world. Let's talk about it because great entrepreneurs must give clear directions. You just said that, and it's really, really solid. I mean... I haven't heard that uh, from an entrepreneur in a long time, but that really makes sense. What happens when an entrepreneur or a CEO does not give clear directions? What happens to the company when they have a founder or CEO that gives unclear directions versus clear directions?
1: I think it's really uh, a clear case where the founder or the leader is not doing their homework, right? Because, I mean, if you're coming into a meeting and you don't know where the meeting is going and you know where the discussion needs to go, then there's a problem. And the problem is that you didn't do your homework, right? And a lot of people also mix that up with uh, you, uh, you being a leader that's not able to take a lot of advice that's on the table, uh, but that's a mix-up right? Because that's step two of the process. The step one is you need to be able to define what the scope of discussion is, right? And, and what really is it that you're trying to solve there? And maybe the leader's opinion comes uh, a lot later, but if the direction is not clear, then guess what? The discussion is going to be all, all over the place. And one thing that startups don't have that big enterprises have Is is time. You know the startups are running against time. There's a time clock. You need to get to the solution faster uh, and in the most accurate way possible. And you need to be ready to fail, right? So, so, so with leaders uh, or founders that are not yet clear in their own head what the direction of the company is going to be, or the product is going to be, or your go-to-market strategy is going to be. I don't think it's the right place to start. You should go back to the whiteboard, do your homework and come back to your team. Samant, that is awesome. Great advice. I mean, I love
0: the analogy of the Iron Man suit again. And of course, you're in the middle of what I think is the single most important space. I mean, it's so important with regard to enterprise clients as well as small to mid-sized companies. Of course, they have cybersecurity in a way that's powerful. I mean, your full stack penetration testing as a service solution is remarkable. You're using AI to help scale human pen testers. I mean, your professional acumen and your personal entrepreneurial journey is absolutely remarkable. It makes all the sense in the world. I mean, you're mentoring people, you're telling people to think clearly, you're giving clear directions. I mean, this has been a great interview, Samant. Thank you so much for coming on the .com Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today and telling us about BreachLock and your entrepreneurial journey. It's a pleasure,
1: Randy. Thank you for having me.